Welcome Charlene Vlahos, Director of Education and Development from, of Karatani, and she's going to be talking about toddlers. Thank you. Thanks, Dean. It'll be a couple of slides before I get into the videos. All right, we are on the home stretch. I've got a few videos as we get into this part of the day because, you know, it's that part of the day. Um, but just to, this kind of just finishes off, I guess, what we were talking about just before we had a break. Um, and that was thinking about what is going on for the family. And so you can never underestimate, you know, that Maslow hierarchy of needs. Okay, so what's really most important? So the basic needs, of course, um, and safety. And these are the foundations of really what's important for a toddler. Um, and I guess becomes the difference between a toddler existing and a toddler thriving. Okay, so you kind of go up the, uh, up the triangle to those opportunities where creativity is embraced, individuality is embraced, um, but it comes from a foundation of feeling safe and also having those basic needs met. Um, you know, in some families we work with, you know, they're, they're facing homelessness. You know, they're facing financial stress. There's all of those things. And so you can't even begin to imagine what that means for a parent and their capacity or capability to be able to address some, address some of those needs. And it's kind of what comes, you know, and they can go hand in hand as well, which came first, the chicken or the egg, when you're thinking about a child's behaviour. Um, but asking those big questions and really having an understanding of what's going on for the family, because you could be asking a family to go home and try things. Why don't you do this? Spend some time with your toddler every day because I'm going to talk about how that's really important um, but if I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow um, or how safe my house is then that's not going to be a possibility okay so it does move that you know from a, a toddler existing a family existing to a you know thriving um, so that's just food for thought when you're thinking about the work with your families because it is complex um, and you can't have one without the other Okay, you can't have creativity, individuality and fun and all of those things if the base of the triangle is not fulfilled. So it's just, you know, something to think about. Um, so thinking about more about working with the family. So we focus so much on, or what we find families are focusing a lot on, and we've already touched on this, it's the tasks of parenting. It's the task of getting through the day. Um, Yes, to meet the child's need, bath, feed, do all of those things, they're not hungry. Um, but it's also around the relationship. And sometimes we forgo the relationship to achieve the task. And so what I would challenge you to do in the work with your families is to actually shift that. Because when you have relationship, tasks are much easier. Um, and I think I was just sharing with someone um, just before on the break, um, I'll give you a good example um, back in the corporate space because it's, it's just a really prevalent thing where we're seeing some, you know, people who seem to have the base of the triangle all together, but the top parts are falling apart. Um, so uh, we were talking about sleep and settling with a group of lawyers and, well, was that a big law firm? There was a mixture of partners, lawyers uh, in the room and we're talking about sleep and... We said, you, ha you know, we talked about you have to do the hard work when children are awake, particularly toddlers, 
but any child. When they're awake, you need to make sure that you're doing enough in terms of connection because they separate easily. They feel more safe, their needs, their cup has been filled. Um, and if you don't fill that cup, then when you're trying to put them to sleep, they resist. And so their relationship's really important. So the task that the room was focused on was sleep. I need this child to sleep through the night. What we said is that you need to do the hard work when they're awake and build their relationship. And one of the parents actually said to me, you don't understand, we do not have time to build a relationship with our children. So, and I said, you can't afford not to. Okay, so you have to help them shift that mindset around the tasks, okay? The tasks, are, yes, they're things that need to be done or met or addressed, but not at the expense of the relationship because you'll never get the task done anyway. It will be done in a way that will never meet anybody's needs at the end of the day. So it's just food for thought to think about this is the challenge of parenting today. These are the things that your parents are going to come to you with. Um, and so altering the, not altering, but challenging, you know, thoughtfully and respectfully and from a pace of kindness, challenging these perceptions um, is really important because at the end of the day, you are children advocates. Okay, we're there for the child. Yes, we're there, you know, we're there to support the parent, but ultimately, we're there for outcomes for children. And um, somewhere, in the, in, somewhere along the line, we're losing that. Even though we're so well read now, we have access to so much information, we seem less connected than ever. Okay, that we have so much more information around brain development. We have so much more information in science that says this is really important. You need to play and interact and build your children's brain and read and do all of those things. But it's not transferring over into what we're seeing. And so that's going to take all of us to do it. So never, you know, take every opportunity you can with the parents that you see in the short amount of time that you see them. Um, because it can be quite profound. Um, and it's just shifting their insight a little bit. And everyone is capable of it. I was having a conversation this morning with, um, we work out at Reby Juvenile Justice Centre. And we work with the young parents who are pregnant or parenting in custody, um, but also young uh, people who might be caring for their siblings as well. So it's kind of, you know, and that many of them come from very dysfunctional families. No child gets into juvenile justice by accident. They just have some very ordinary adults around them. Um, and we were, we've encouraged the young people to write a book that they would read to children. Now, um, one young woman who's had a very troubled history had a really profound insight and she said, I feel really bad. She goes, now I know why my little brother and sister cry when I have to look after them because she goes, they're like this. I don't interact. So, you know, given all the things that she's been through, she still has insight into this actually has an effect. I've seen it. Okay, so little, just little comments, little things that you can do can shift that mind um, for the parent and most importantly, what you change for the child. Okay, so this really comes down to determining what the parent already knows and understands. Okay, so about the health and well-being of their toddler. So think about all those domains that we talked about much earlier in the presentation and consider what skills and knowledge and resources they have that you can offer. What's around them that can help them, but also what else can you bolster that with? So come from a strength space. 
You know your child better than anyone. What is it that you like to do? We challenge parents. Describe, give, um, give us three words that describe your child. Okay, so thinking about them in a positive light. What can you already build on? If you come from a place of deficit, you never get anywhere. Um, and purposely raise the issue of parent-child relationship. How like, you know, ask them, do you like being around each other? And that's a tough question to ask because you can be hit with many different things that can be quite confronting. Um, and we ask this of parents when they come to our toddler clinic. Describe your relationship with your child. And it gives you a lot of insight. You go, okay, have you thought about, you know, would you like it to be different? So you bring it back to the relationship every time. And they're hard questions to ask, but like I said, they're important ones because it starts to frame and get the parent to start thinking about their relationship. Like the parent that um, said they don't have time to build a relationship. Uh, okay, so understand, I, has everyone seen the circle of security? Yeah? Yeah? This is probably the best description of what a relationship is and understanding, getting a parent to understand this. So I use this all the time with parents because this is what really describes that secure base. And at Karatani, we, we have circles of security going on everywhere, okay? It's the hands on the circle. Now, you might not realise we're in a circle of security right now, okay? So you guys are all looking at me. And I've got my, hopefully, got my hands on the circle. You're not all feeling chaotic and she doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm all over the place, okay? Um, but there's all those interactions. It's almost a parallel universe that is happening all the time. And so when a parent comes to see you, you are the hands on the circle, okay? So think about your work with the parents as you're the secure base. You have their coming into you. So if you have a look at the, un the under part of the circle, that it's not the comfort and protect me, but you're there to guide them. They're coming to you for advice, okay? And you're secure, you're calm, you're sharing your knowledge, and out the parent goes and tries that with their toddler. And they might come back to you, I need a little bit more advice. So if you can start thinking about the circle of security almost like they, they happen all the time. Okay, and it's also happening, getting a parent to understand what their toddler is doing, particularly because toddlers are so good at displaying this. And my favourite is when you're at the, um, the park, and we'll do this with parents, you know, if you're running a group, or even if they're coming into your, you know, you're in a room, a consult room, whatever it might be, and you go, oh, so can you can get out a picture of this, this is a freely available on, on the Circle of Security website, and go, do you know what they're actually doing? You know, they're sitting on their parents' lap and then they go and they venture off and they play with some toys and they come back to a parent and they show them and they go off again. That is a child doing the circle all the time. They're going out and exploring because that's what a child should do. A toddler should be doing that. And so encouraging a parent to understand that, that it's okay if they go off a little bit further because that's a, that's a sign of a securely attached child. Now, when they come back in and show their parent, they're looking for that engagement and they go back out again and they explore. They might, you know, they just run and they jump on their parent and they jump back off, they don't even say anything and off they go. Or the child's over the other side of the room and they're looking at their parent from across the room. That's them coming back in. Oh, mum looks pretty calm, dad looks pretty calm, then everything must be okay. And on they continue. So when you have a parent in your space, Point that out to them. Show them what that is because they might not know it. 
don't think that parents can innately understand it. They, they can see it. They can be a bit frustrated, particularly when they come back and they cling to their legs, what we talked about earlier, and they want to push them out on the circle. But their little brains are going, yeah, no, I want to stay right here. Thank you very much. Okay? So when you see an opportunity to share that with parents, absolutely do it. Um, and I think the statement around always be bigger, stronger, kinder and wise, um, wherever possible, meet your child's needs, um, whenever necessary, take charge. And the take charge is really important. It's get back to that emotional regulation. When does a parent need to step in and say it's okay? All right, so the stuff around tantrums, you know, when a child completely loses it and a parent, um, you know, oh, I'm ignoring you. I'm going over here now. I'm sick of that, you know. I'm just going to ignore it. A child actually needs a parent to stay much closer. That's when the hands on the circle have to be really tight on the circle. So we never encourage a parent to ignore or leave a child like that, unless, of course, they were emotionally challenged to actually control their own emotions. Absolutely, take, a, take time out, go take a deep breath. But if a child is having a huge tantrum, a parent needs to be much closer. I'm here when you need me. I'm right here, I'm not going anywhere. I can see you're really upset. Okay, so those type of things is reading, what does that child need at that particular time? So the extreme is the tantrum, stay close. When they're climbing a little bit higher, that evokes something in the parent. That's the parent's issue to deal with. And a parent that goes, oh, don't go too high, don't do this, oh my God, it's really scary. A child goes, oh, okay, because when they're checking back to the secure base, that should be really calm. Internally, a parent's going, that's really high, but I'm going to smile and go, doing a great job. Yeah, that's really good. They're managing their emotions. And the child's going, oh my God, look what I did. So you're building resilience, you're building confidence. Okay, so it's about teaching the parent to manage their emotions and not project it, because they're their hands on the circle. Okay, so, it's all, so it has all these parallel universes. I'm a terrible talker with my hands, I have to stop that. Um, so does that make sense? It makes, you know, something to really think about. You know, um, it's about contextualising it. It's about what can you take back and implement in your practice. Um, because those, those reactions from the parents, because the child from across the room, the child from, a, you know, playing somewhere, the child right beside them, is learning everything that's going on. What, what, what is mum and dad telling me? What are, they, what are those signals they're giving me? Yes? Yeah, you have to be a good enough parent 30% of the time, is the research from Circle of Security. Not even a pass, really, is it? Um, but yes. But what's really important about that, about getting it wrong sometimes, is the rupture and repair, which is further into the Circle of Security concepts, is really important. So being a perfect parent is not what you want to... Uh, Please don't take that home and say to your parents, you know, you need to be doing this all of the time. So there is no, there is, uh, that's, that's a dangerous state to be in as well, to be the perfect parent. And so if you have a look at the um, Circle of Security's website, and I won't play it now because we don't have enough time, but it's um, good enough parenting. 
and that's really important because it's okay when things go wrong. Because remember when we think about temperament, resilience, confidence, is letting children know, you know what, I'm really sorry I yelled at you before, getting down to kids' levels, um, I shouldn't have yelled. Okay, and you can repair the relationship. That is much, um, the learning in that for a child is quite profound. So, you know, we don't want perfectionism in parenting. We want good enough parenting, being present and building that relationship. Um, and it's, yeah, so 30% is what they say. So like I said, they, when you say 30%, parents go, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> Even I say thank God for that, because we all have our parenting challenges and days, yes where we don't get it quite as right, thinking I could have done that a little bit differently. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's a really important point that you've brought up there, so thanks. Okay, responsive care. So let's think about, I'm gonna show you some clips in a minute about some toddlers that might display some of those behaviours. So how is it, what's the language you might use when you're noticing or when you're helping parents change or help them be responsive um, and understand their children's cues? So there's observe, interpret and act. So the observation obviously is taking notice of the verbal and non-verbal cues. So the parent sees the toddler frowning, um, they might push a little bit um, more aggressively to get a, you know, to get a block or something, they're like this. Um, uh, and Cara, does anyone know Karen Wilcox, Karatani Kaz, you might see her on Facebook Live every now and again. She has this great example of a toddler the other day in the residential unit. And the mother perceived the older child to be that child has the issue, you know, this older one, you know, really um, not very nice to his younger sister. And it was interesting that Karen spent some time with them in the playroom and they were just chatting and she could just see the younger sibling doing some things, you know, I could see her poking, I could see her pushing her brother, I could see, you know, you know, so it's, you know, it's observing, so mum's perception was very different to the observation that was actually going on. So it's um, taking notice of the verbal and non-verbal cues and helping parents to understand that. So, oh, can you, I wonder what's going on for them right now. Or can you see, you know, what we just talked about, can you see how they're looking at you? Can you see how they're interacting with you? Um, interpret, so interpret, um, so the, the example above, that the toddler's getting frustrated, okay? So rather than ignore, ignoring that, Ignore it too, you don't have to ignore it, but you can make a statement of, um, hi, you know, hey there, I can, you're really trying really hard to do that and it's really difficult getting that block in there, isn't it? So you're not going in and you're not controlling anything, you're not taking over, you're not saying you're doing it wrong, you're not doing any of those things, but what you're doing is that um, you're showing empathy and understanding and you're, you're allowing the toddler to complete themselves, go, yes, I need help. Okay, so it's just an example of it's observe it, interpret it, and then act on it if you need to. And that's one of the things that we'll, we'll talk about in, we'll watch a couple of um, videos. <laughs> so I guess what we said, what did you notice about Dad in that? Uh, well, Mum as well in the beginning. I guess it's probably understanding, let's have a look at that from uh, Declan's perspective. So we talked about, about external factors, you know, that's what's going on in their environment. So a new sibling, which he was kind of okay about. 
um, in the beginning, but then when mum got, when they got home, his whole world was up, you know, turned upside down um, and really starting to exhibit some behaviours that mum was talking about. I love when he throws himself and goes, I'm still crying, just in case you didn't notice, I'm still here. Um, so, you know, that would be, you know, um, observe, you know observing, um, interpreting and acting. What did you notice about dad? What did he observe, I guess, in the, in the, in the toy situation? He needed encouragement. So dad observed, this is going to probably not go very well if I'm not careful. Yeah? <laughs> because he first when we went, no, I want to keep playing. So dad observed that. And what did he actually do? Yeah, he got down, he put his hands there, and he was like, you know, yeah, but they're the rules, that's what we need to do. And often what we do with toddlers is that we go, time to back up. And they're going, ah, oh, are we done? Is that it? No one told me, what are the rules? Um, and we do that a lot without thinking. Okay, and they're giving us little, little signs all the time that actually this could go really pear-shaped if I don't step in and do something. So, you know, getting down, he was really calm in what he said and he helped him and goes, oh, let's, you know, let's make it a game. And then Declan just went along with it. It was almost effortless. Um, but there's probably, you know, there's obviously a lot of work that has gone on. And when I say a lot of work, what I say to parents is that you do the hard work now Absolutely, being, you know, being a parent of a toddler is hard work. But as they transition into school, high school, when they're when they faced with much more complex situations, you do the hard work when they're toddlers, it's much easier as they get older. It's very hard to do the reverse when you've, when you've laid those foundations. Um, so that was a really great example. And also, you know, um, I, think I, I think they're 12 now, these kids. They're following them. So you can actually go onto the ABC and see them. So um, there's a few that have dropped out. And, you know, there's all different kids from all different backgrounds. Um, and there's some really good um, examples of resilience. You can actually follow the kids from when they were born. So it's, it's an interesting series. And it's probably the first of our kind. Um, there is one in New Zealand called the Dunedin. Um, study you might have heard about. I think they're 40 something now. Um, sorry? Yeah, 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 seven and up as well, yeah. So there's some really, we're really trying, we're really beginning to understand much better. Um, but has that changed parenting practices? I think it's a really interesting space. All right. So what I want to show you now, has anyone seen this video on shark music? Has anyone heard about shark music? Yeah? No? Who hasn't? Share with me because I don't want to... Okay. So, shark music. If you hear the Jaws theme and you're at a beach, what are you going to do? Panic? Right. Okay. So that's the concept of shark music. So this is a, a concept they use in Circle of Security. It's about mm, maybe week four, I think. I can't remember. Um, where we're getting parents... So we've talked about the concept going in, coming out, hands on the circle. <clears throat> but now getting parents to understand what is their shark music because this is how you're going to help parents understand when their child has a, temp a, a, a tantrum or starts to lose it, what, what is the trigger for the parent to react in such a way? They go, stop it, why are you doing that? Just put your shoes on. There's something um, that they refer to in Circle of Security as shark music, like the Jaws music makes you panic. Something in you goes, oh, I don't like this, I want it to stop. And so they react in a really different way. And it's the same as when 
We're doing all the screening for parents and we ask really, uh, you know, questions about their childhood because it gives us insight into what could be challenging for them as a parent. And a lot of it stems back to that. Um, and so parents may say, I do not want to parent the same as, as I was parented. I want my child's life to be really different. And they try really hard. But when things don't go well and they have their shark music starts playing and something triggers that, they often revert back to what they know best. Um, and so it's just an interesting thing for you to think about when you ask parents, what is challenging about this behaviour for you? When your child does this, what does this do for you? How does it make you feel? Because remember, we're going back to the relationship because it will get in the way of the relationship. We're putting the task aside. We're thinking about the relationship. Thanks, Dean. So that's um, being with. And being with is one of those things that is really hard for parents to do because it triggers something in us. Then when we want to stop, particularly around tantrums and behaviour, we want it to stop, we want this crying to stop, I want the tantrum to stop because it's something in us rather than the being with. Um, has anyone been watching the um, Old People's Home for four-year-olds? Fascinating, right? The first week, and if you haven't had an opportunity, I really um, urge you go and have a look at week one in particular, because there's a little boy that does the perfect example of being with, and that's probably because his parents have done it to him. So there was the older gentleman whose whose sight is failing, and he didn't want to participate, and he was sitting on the lounge by himself. And this little boy noticed, he interpreted, and he acted. There's a little four-year-old. So he actually went and he saw, you could see him looking at this older man. He wasn't playing, though he had been earlier in the day. And the little boy went and sat beside him. And he didn't do anything. He just started drawing and was smiling and next to him. And this man then started to participate. And that is such an example of being with. That rather you're not trying to fix it, you're not trying to change it, it's helping parents understand. You just have to sit with the emotion. There's no good or bad in any emotion. It just is an emotion. Okay, and so um, it's the acting about, you know, if they're really sad, oh, I can see you're really sad. Do you need a cuddle? Or would you like me just to sit here next to you? Um, but we want to fix it a lot. And that, that becomes frustrating sometimes for toddlers. Um, and like I said, it becomes the escalation. You can get into that phase really quickly. So being with is one of those really... Um, uh, important things and sit with the uncomfortableness, that's such a word, um, we, like, like for parents. There's another really good example of it um, in the movie Inside Out. If you ever want a parent to understand what emotions are, it's the Disney Pixar movie Inside Out, where the big elephant just sits beside one of the characters that is sad, going, that was really sad, and they just sat there. We're as joyful, want to go, no, no, let's be happy, no, don't be sad, everything's okay. Um, and so um, that doesn't help children learn to regulate their emotions, but also own their emotions. It's all okay. All right, now I'm going to show you, just to let you know, the next couple of videos are challenging, I think, to watch. Um, but this is what we're facing. This is, let's, t and we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on for these toddlers and probably more importantly, what's going on for their parents. Thanks, Dean. So that's tricky to watch, um, but we're seeing more and more of this, um, you know, uploaded onto Facebook and YouTube. Um, and I think that's really, that can be quite confronting because there's a lot going on for that little person. What do you think is going on for him? It's powerless. Yeah. 
he's really frustrated. He's throwing things, he's kicking. Sorry? He's trying to, yeah, he's definitely trying to communicate something there. He's absolutely screaming out for help. I have completely lost control and I need you to be here for me right now. Now, this is not uncommon. This is what we see often at the toddler clinic is children who are really aggressive towards their parents. Um, there's a, a feeling of mistrust. Um, and I'm, you know, that throwing of, of the, his shoes is like, you're not here for me. And I need you right now. And there was a couple of giggles from the mum. I'm not sure if you heard that in the... And she's got the screen going as well. Um, that, you know, they get loaded up onto YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. It is, is but, it, but it's happening more like, you know, oh, this is funny, you know, you know, kids having... If you Google kids having tantrums on YouTube, there'll be heaps of them. And they're kind of, they're laughing at it. Um, but it's really displaying that, you know, where it can go really wrong. And um, it's more common than you think. And like I said, we're seeing children really lose control at that and really needing a parent to go, it's okay, I can see you're really upset. Of course you want to get in there earlier than that. But she has not read those cues at all. In fact, she kind of thinks it's a bit funny. Oh, look at this, isn't this hilarious? And it's clearly not. And that's a little boy whose emotions really are not being met. They're not being interpreted. And he's clearly frustrated with her. And we see this with children who will go on to have, you know, possibly conduct disorders because they've never learned to regulate their emotions. No one's come in. You know, we say, come in, come in slow, come in, you know, with a, you know, uh, a warm tone, those type of things. But not to mention the humiliation for that child. Okay, and the privacy around that. Um, and so, um, you know, what could you have said to that mum? <laughs> I know that's what you want to say. <laughs> but remember, we're hands on the circle. And we're going to be calm going, okay, it looks like he's really losing control there. I wonder if we could get down to his level. It looks like to me he really needs you to be there. So let's, you know, the big thing about getting down to a child level is a de-escalation straight away. Um, and inviting, let, let's see, you know, let's invite him in. You know, using, you know, those um, low tones and calm tones. Do you need a cuddle? I'm right here. You seem really angry. I'm here. But the more that she walked away from him, he chased her. He seeked her out. I need you. Like, she's walking away and he's following her. And, you know, getting down to his level and really misinterpreting these cues is really, um, is distressing. And it's not that, I mean, this is, this is an extreme case for sure. Um, but we see it in the early stage. I'll see it at a shopping centre. Yes. Yeah, definitely lots of time in. Okay, some children will really object to, so if we have a child that's really acting out like that, we will, he, that child needs containing. He needs to, someone calm, not like, I'm gonna, rest, not restraining, it's containing, it's calm and contain. And we would say um, to a parent to have the child's back to you, okay, sitting down on the ground with your legs out like in a V, have a child in between you and go, I'm right here for you. 
Okay, so they kick, they'll kick and they'll lash out, um, but that's a real complete loss of control and they need that containment around them. So you might want to hug, but we wouldn't say restrain. That, that has a different connotation. We've seen parents grab their children like that and really confrontational in terms of face. It's okay, I'm here. Yeah, but definitely um, lots of time in, very close at that stage, not leaving. Yeah. Absolutely. He was saying, I need you. Yeah, she had you know, completely missed those cues. That eye contact was very obvious and seeking out. So that's quite difficult to watch. Um, might play just a couple of minutes of the next one. I won't show the whole lot because we're... I know no one likes to be late, so I shan't make you late. <laughs> we'll just, yeah, just a couple of minutes. Thanks, Dean, to the next... Oh, sorry, I'll do the next slide. So what do you think's going on there? It's really hard, isn't it? But it's almost like that child was set up. Like, you know, I'm going to say it's time for bed. So that's a child that, um, you know, clearly going to bed is, is, is difficult. <laughs> and let's film that. And not to mention that the TV was on and the other uh, non-participating adult that was in the, um, in the background there. But that was almost like that child was baited and set up for that. Um, rather than, you know, um, working it... And, and going to bed is, is a big thing for toddlers. That's one of the, you know, number one things that I want to go to bed. And so, you know, we talk about filling their cup when they're awake and letting them know in terms... So it's just like, go to bed. And um, if you continue to watch that, that, that bedroom is right next to the TV and whatever lounge room was going on there. So the, the child was never... You were never going to set that child up for success, nor that parent. Um, and really shifting that. So, and kind of laughing, haha, <laughs> we're going through this every night, you know. So, let's change something about that, okay? Let's do something different because what you're doing is not working. Um, but this is so, so you can see that the, the parent often has the perspective, it's the task that's not getting done. What they're missing is it's the relationship that is actually really broken. You're never going to get a task. You're never going to get a child to sleep well or in a really calm way or ever separate when you have that. Because their focus is on the task, it's not on the relationship. And that's the shift that needs to happen. Um, so like I said, they're, they're quite confronting and extreme, but they're everywhere. Like I said, they're everywhere on YouTube. And, you know, to have... Can you imagine how calming that is for her? She gets in. Do you think she has restful sleep? I bet she wakes five times a night. And I bet they have, you know, she probably has a bottle to go back to sleep. There's probably... Because there's all of those, you know, they would rather... And I'm certainly generalising here, I don't know this family, but, you know, you can hypothesise that, you know, they don't want to deal with, you know, let's go to bed, let's do this. It's not something they've been shown. And don't, don't always assume that parents know this, okay, that teaching them about their relationship and how they um, <clears throat> do things differently and separate is not innate necessarily. So something that needs to be taught. Yes. Yeah, rather than deal with, I don't want to go to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are the things that, I mean, this is, this is the reality of what's going on out there. And like I said, these are extreme cases, but it's not unusual. We do have them in the toddler clinic, and they do, um, they're probably the most, the more of the extreme cases. But not, and these kids are getting older. It's going to be harder to undo this behaviour. We're cementing some relationships very early on here. 
And like I said, they're hard to undo as they get older. And this will predict, we know it goes like, this is how they're going to predict what, um, what partners they're going to choose, what relationships they have, what exposure to mental health they're going to have later on. And then they're going to go on and be parents themselves. Okay, so you can see how um, trying to shift that is, going, is, is difficult, but earlier is always better. I'll talk for the next 10 minutes about PCIT. Is everyone familiar with, I'm, I'm saying PCIT, everyone knows it. Parent-Child Interaction Therapy. So it's developed in the States by Sheila Iberg, and it's all about play. It is completely relationship-based. Um, it's a play-based therapy aimed at increasing positive behaviours and decreasing negative. And it, you know what? It happens because a parent spends time with their child noticing, interpreting, acting and building their relationship. Facilitates positive changes in toddler behaviour by in, um, intervening in the parent-child relationship. Um, and it's all based on um, attachment, social learning and traditional uh, child psychotherapy. And it's probably more studies than that. So we're doing a lot of research out of Karatani and we're actually doing it in the under twos. So it has not been researched overseas in the under twos. And we've, um, I think the book, yeah, that's the book um, we've just released. So you can actually buy that. Um, and there's some really good resources on that website that you can actually download. I'm going to show you just a snippet of them. Um, because there is stuff that parents can do. They don't have to go into a whole PCIT, but there's information you can give parents. And the homework that our parents have to do is five minutes a day of special play. Five minutes a day. Now, there are some rules around that. But five minutes a day is very doable, and what we see is a shift in children's behaviour because the focus now is not on the task, but it becomes on the relationship. So there's two phases. There's the child-directed interaction, so CDI. So for our under twos, we never go into parent-directed interaction, which comes to the task, because what we're doing is now we've built the relationship, now let's practice the tasks that go along with that. Because when you have a relationship that's really strong, children have buy-in. So when you have to pack up the toys and you have a strong relationship, children are more likely to do it. Okay, so under twos we do not move into that task oriented because they're too young. But what it does in the CDI phase is to restructure attachment and parenting patterns. So you can see the top picture that's the actual inside the therapy room and they've got a two-way mirror. So you can see the picture on the bottom is there's a two-way mirror and the parent and child play. The parent has a bug in their ear and they're being coached. Okay, and there's certain, um, there's a lot of coaching that happens before we do that uh, with the parents. So we do things like, oh, doesn't like staying on that one. I know that's really small, but we'll go through it. What they have to practice are the pride skills. So when they have five minutes a day of special play, I can turn around and read it, they've got to, do, they've got to praise the behaviour. Oh, thank you for sharing that toy with me. Oh, I love it when you play with those toys so quietly. Because if you notice how adults play with children, it's all about our agenda. Oh, what colour is that? How many, what sound does the dog make? You know, what, um, how many blocks are there? And there's certainly, there's time for that and certainly teaching and interaction with children, but not for special play. Okay, special play is completely child directed and that is something that we're not very good at. We like to um, control that. Um, and so if you praise something, you're gonna get more of it. 
So if you praise, I love the way you're playing quietly with your toys, you're going to get more quiet play. I love it when you hold hands. So when they come to Karatani, you have to hold hands. And the therapists are amazing, even all the nurses. They don't move, they went, okay, well we hold hands here at Karatani. They go, no, I'm not holding hands. Said, that's okay, we'll wait here until you're ready to hold hands. Are you ready to hold hands? No, that's okay, we've got a bit more time, let's wait here. What do you think happens? They hold hands because that's the expectation. And it's really calm, it's firm, but it's kind and it's warm. Okay, we're gonna hold hands. Thank you for holding hands. I love when you hold my hand, it makes us all safe. Okay, that's a type of language. Um, reflecting, so when you're playing with a child and go, um, I'm, brum, brum, I'm pushing the car. Oh, you're pushing the car very fast. Look at that car go. So what do you think happens with that when you do reflections? You're expanding their language. And once you have better communication, you have less meltdowns. Um, imitating. So they say imitation is the best form of flattery. A child feels really important when a parent goes, brum, brum, with them. They're like, look at how, the, you know, and a child's posture changes completely. And they turn and they face their parents and they delight and they smile. And the child invites the parent into play. We often impose ourselves onto them in play, and it has a very different feel to it. Um, describing the behaviour. So describing what they're doing. Once again, you're expanding that language. You're letting them know, I'm here with you. I know exactly what you're doing. Um, and the enjoyment, which is the delight, which is what many of our families are missing. They do not delight in each other. They actually find it very difficult to be in the same room as their toddler, as a toddler probably feels the same about their parents sometimes. And that's the principles. What you don't do is the don't skills. You don't ask questions. There's another time for that. You don't criticise and you don't give commands. Oh, give me a turn. Oh, I want that one. There's a time and a place for that. Um, and the type of toys that we play with are blocks, little people, cars, farm animals, trains, those type of things. Because um, don't have games that have a lot of rules because you have to give instructions. It's a free play. Um, you know, the cooking set. Um, and you probably saw it if you watched the old people's home for four-year-olds when they were doing imaginative play. And the old men started going, oh, would you like a cup of tea? You know, those type of things. So, you know, kids really, imaginative and free play is very important and they invite the parent into that. Um, oh, so you'll see down, if you see the uh, little, the praise, reflection, imitation, description, enjoyment, there's a whole sheet with that. So if you go onto that website, um, you will find those sheets that you can actually download and give to parents because it gives them a guide about what they should do. This is what you can do five minutes a day. You don't need to be doing PCIT, but you have these principles. Um, and this is the really good thing that works with parents. So when these children have had complete meltdowns, this is what we get parents to do, particularly for the under twos. It's really difficult in terms of language. It's the CARES model. So come in calmly and get close to your child. They need to know you're there. They need to have you there. Assist your child when they have a problem. So, oh, it looks like you're having trouble there. Can I help you? Would you like some help? Um, reassure your toddler and let them know that you're there for them. Um, emotional value, uh, validation. So talk about the emotion they're experiencing. Oh, it's really hard, isn't it, putting your socks on? It's really hard to learn how to put your shoes on. 
those type of um, that type of expands their language, gives name to the emotion, um, and then soothe your toddler with voice and touch. You know, rub the rubbing the back that the dad was doing. Yeah, I know, but it's time to pack up the toys because they're the rules. So he did all of those things. He came in calmly. He assisted because he started to pack away the toys. He reassured them. Uh, reassured Declan. Yeah, I know it's upsetting, but we've got to pack up the toys. And he did the nice, um, soft voice and soft touch. That's a perfect example of what the CARES Models does. And once again, this is on the same website. Um, and they're kind of, you know, very broadly, they're the principles that we're working with. Now, some of the children, I mean, some, the children that we've got come in, come in for 10 to 12 weeks. Um, we do it also IPCIT as well, so we do it in the telehealth model. And it has significant outcomes for children. Um, but you don't have to send your families to that. These are principles that can be generally shared and something that you take back in your practice. Oh, look at that, five minutes to spare. Thank you. <laughs>